Well, welcome to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Friday edition. Heading into the weekend, Friday. Got a lot of stuff to talk about today. A lot of stuff. A lot of ground to cover, if you will. Stand by. I got a big announcement today. A big announcement for the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. The Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, and I'm proud to say we have been picked up by Rebooting Liberty Radio Network out of Brooklyn, New York. That's right. Rebooting Liberty Radio Network from Brooklyn, New York is now carrying the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. And you can go up there. Just go up and Google Rebooting Liberty Radio Network. And you can go up there and listen to the Gary Gatehouse Show at least two times a day. That's right. What a what a what a a a good addition to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, being carried out of the East Coast, Brooklyn, New York. So that puts Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on the map on on the East Coast very firmly. We're up there in Brooklyn, New York. We're out there in Pennsylvania. We're down in Florida. We're down here in Texas, and we're being carried by Restoration Radio International out of London, England. Wow, you know, we're expanding. What do you think about that? I think it's a great deal. A great deal. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to kick the show off today with something I commented on on Wednesday. Namely, what Obama's up to, his regime's up to, when we're talking about our military. Our military involving both our men and women. Now, traditionally... America has always sent its young men off to wage war against those people who would want to do our country harm. Over the years and decades and centuries, American men have marched off and waged war on all kinds of different places on this planet. Where they've been in Vietnam, they've been in Europe, they've been in Italy, you name it. We have sent our young men, our sons, our brothers, off to fight for the liberties and freedoms of America. Now it seems Obama, through all of his enlightenment and all his uh, ability with his limp wrist, because he is indeed the commander in chump, he has deemed it necessary now, because I guess he looks at American men today and looks at them and says, well, they just aren't capable of handling combat uh, uh, on their own. We need some help. So I'm going to open the doors for all our daughters and granddaughters. He's going to open the doors for all our daughters and granddaughters to go into every combat role that is available in our military, whether it be the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines. Do you understand the implications of that? Well, I covered it all on Wednesday. And I'm going to play that back again with the addition of commentary from Mr. Mark Levine. He commented on the same issue. Pay close attention to what I have to say and then pay very close attention to what Mr. Mark Levine has to say. We are all both on the same page. Have a listen. You know, folks, I don't know if a lot of you have even heard of this next uh, issue that I'm going to be bringing up. I don't know if uh, the news media, the mainstream media, as they call it, have even reported on it. But I know it was all concocted and all put together by the left wing behind closed doors, including feminists, including those who would want to just absolutely destroy the structure of our military. All things being fair in America, 
I guess America has been convinced that what is good for the goose is good for the gander. Selective service will likely include women by court order. That's the headline. Military expert warns that Obama's policy could make females subject to a wartime draft. Now this last Thursday, Defense Secretary Ashton Carter, a puppet of the Obama regime, announced the Obama administration is opening all combat roles, all combat roles, to women. And women may even be required to register for selective service, in other words, the draft. But a readiness expert says this is a disaster in the making as women will be forced into combat and all forces will be weaker as training standards are lowered so women can meet the administration's quotas. That's right. Women to be drafted in the time of war. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. That's the new way of looking at things. That's the modern day male that looks at things, I guess. That's the way they look at things when it comes to their uh, counterpart, the gentler sex, if you will, females. Now this guy, Secretary Carter, announced that women can serve in any unit. Also defies a strong protest from the United States Marine Corps, which argued that combat roles subject women to a higher odds of injury. There will be no expectations, Carter said. This means that as long as they qualify and meet the standards, we're talking about women now, women will now be able to contribute to our mission in ways they could not before. In other words, they can get shot, blown up, ripped apart, and because they're females, if captured, raped, beat to death, whatever, and that will give them the pleasure of knowing they're serving their country and getting all the due diligence that I guess the feminists want females to get. How many feminists are going to be in this so-called new army? Because you see, it's a volunteer army. How many feminists are going to volunteer? Oh, there might be some butches here and there. I'm talking about hardcore left-wing feminists. But Mr. Carter was asked if the new policy means women will be required to register for selective service. It may, he said. This is a matter of legal dispute right now, and in fact, litigation. So I don't know how that will turn out, but it is an issue that's out there. So there you go, ladies of America. All you moms and dads out there that have daughters, that they're, they're planning to have a family, settle down, go to, go to college, whatever. All, it, it's bad enough that we're sending our sons off to war. In the time of an all-out world war, they will be coming after your daughters. They will be drafting them and throwing them into combat. Is that something you want, America? Obviously it is. It's what feminists want anyway. It's what the left wants. It's what Obama wants. It's what Hillary wants, who lied and said she once tried to, you know, recruit or sign up for recruitment in the Marines. What a damn lie that was. Secretary Carter re was referencing an equal protection lawsuit by a New Jersey woman who is suing the selective service system, claiming there is no legitimate reason for the government to discriminate against the female class. While the new policy opening combat roles to women is being hailed as a milestone for equal rights, a leading female critic of the plan says a disaster is in the offing because President Obama's social agenda 
She went on to say the administration said it doesn't matter what the Marines have said. It doesn't matter what the research says. This is President Obama's order. That's why it's being done. Because this president knows he can order the military to do whatever he wants. He's the commander in chump. This was said by Center for Military Readiness, President Elaine Donnelly, who authored a very scathing review of the policy change. Donnelly said this is all part of a social engineering effort designed to meet gender quotas. The paramount goal of the administration is something called gender diversity metrics. That's another name for quotas, Donnelly said. The Navy has officially said they want 25% of women across the board on every Navy ship. Now, I've never been in the Navy, so I can't speak for the Navy. But I have a friend who is a Navy veteran, a lifer, if you will, and served in the military and in the Navy for more than 25 years, old school. And he told me, he said, Gary, when you go into the Navy, you are not only trained in the MOS, military occupation skill, that you were uh, recruited for and trained for, you are also trained to be a firefighter, an emergency EMS person, because on a ship, there's nowhere else to go. The people that are on that ship in combat in the middle of the ocean, wherever they may be, it's on them. They can't pick the phone up and call 911, or they can't pick the phone up and call the fire department to come and put out a fire caused by bombs or explosions. They have to do it themselves. Plus, do the other duties they have. And he said, now, I want to tell you something, Gary. When I was on board, my ship was in the Gulf of Tonkin during the Vietnam War. When there's something went down on our ship that required us to get people off the deck that were injured, it took four men to take that gurney down them very narrow steps down into the, med uh, into the medicine uh, bay, into the uh, bay where they keep all the wounded people. He says it took four men, and it wasn't an easy job. Those four men were called away from their duties to take that person down to medical bay. Now think of this, he said. My friends are telling me who are still in the Navy that it is now the training of when there is a person injured or wounded on board, uh, on board a ship, and they have to be taken down to the medical bay. It is now six people that do it because there are women on board and they can handle it. There has to be six of them or four guys and two women have to be involved. It has to be six. That is tying six people up to take that person to medical bay when they should be up fighting the enemy. And there's even more to that, ladies and gentlemen. There's even more to that. That's just one example of what it takes and doesn't take when you have females involved in combat situations. Now, I served in Vietnam. It was a dirty, filthy, rotten place. It was full of snakes. It was full of insects that you'd never heard of before. Malaria, dengue fever. And I'm going to tell you something right now, ladies. If you were to take and be taken into a combat platoon in Vietnam let's say we'll go back to Vietnam and you went with that platoon 
to carry out your duties of an 11 bang bang, an infantry grunt, and you waded through rice paddies that were filled with human excrement as fertilizer, and you waded through places where, where leeches the size of small snakes were attached to you in all parts of your body, big, black, ugly-looking critters that you had to burn off with a damn cigarette to make them let go of you. How long do you think it would take because of your female anatomy to come down with some kind of a yeast infection, a killer yeast infection? Waiting around in that filth. Let's say it's your time of the month. And this is what I'm getting ready to say. A lot of people will say, my God, Gary, you can't say that, but it's the truth. It's the truth. It's a part of life. It's a part of the human body. When it's your time of the month, and you're in the bush, you can be singled out. The odor can smell. We know that especially when you're out in the bush for a month or so. And that is an announcement that there's a human being in the mix. A person out there that the Viet Cong or the North Vietnamese can literally smell. If not them, some animal out there. Because in Vietnam, if it didn't bite you and sting you, it would try to eat you and kill you. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want my daughter or granddaughters anywhere close to a situation like that. I don't want them anywhere close to a situation where they're laying in a, in a rice ditch, rice paddy, and the person next to them is talking to them, and all of a sudden they, their head goes missing, and the brains are all over the other person. I don't want my daughter to be exposed to coming upon an, an American combat soldier that was captured by the Viet Cong and stretched out on a tree and dressed out like a deer with his private parts stuck in his mouth. I don't want my women to be exposed to anything like that. I guess I'm old school. I'm just a, a, a man who still respects women. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, women today... They think they can watch TV and all of this stuff that they put on about how women can go kick some ass and women are going to do this and women are going to do that. When it comes to push to shove, ladies, it's all a matter of strength. It's all a matter of stamina. And it's all a matter of taking a bullet and still keep on trucking. Now this guy, Secretary Carter, mentioned a woman serving in combat will have to meet certain training standards. But Ms. Donnelly said former Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Martin Dempsey already said standards would be reviewed if women cannot meet them. Donnelly said we're already seeing the shifting standards, and that means lowering levels of readiness. Standards will not be the high standards for men, she explained. It will be minimum standards at boot camp. The maximum for a man is 20 pull-ups. The minimum is 3. Henceforth, 3 will be the standard because that's the minimum standard. They've tried this experiment two years ago at Marine Boot Camp. 55% of those women could not do 3 pull-ups. Now what are they going to do, she asked. Lower the standards even lower? Maybe taking pull-ups completely out of the requirement? 
Donnelly said the Marine Corps also raised major concerns over women being injured in training or combat. Women are known to have risks of injury, at least double those of men, higher in combat arms, levin bang-bang, grunts, soldiers. But you know, in the, in the few years since Obama regime and Congress repealed Don't Ask, Don't Tell, Donnelly said virtually every concern of opponents, from an erosion of religious liberty to skyrocketing male-on-male sexual assaults, have come true. She said the impact on this will be even greater. The onset of homosexual law for the military has negative effects, but it's affected a relative small number of people compared to men and women in the military. That affects everybody, Donnelly said. She said more social engineering in the military is on the way from the administration including demands on doctors to participate in uh, therapies or even surgeries to accommodate transgender personnel. Donnelly said that she could lead to an it could be, lead to an exodus of military doctors. She always, also expects more restrictions on Christian chaplains over the homosexual in, issues. Donnelly said 2016 must bring the election of a president who will reverse course on military policy. There needs to be a president who understands and respects the military enough to take these issues seriously, she said. It's not an equal opportunity employer. Combat is not like any other job. Physical strength matters. Endurance matters. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, The feminization of our American military continues. The undermining of combat-ready units and the destruction of combat cohesion in combat units in the military continues. It's a social experiment, meals on wheels, if you will, by the left. It always has been. Obama, the left, and the feminists have been dreaming about this for decades. They have finally found their champion, Obama and the Defense Secretary Ashton Carter. Now, I know the new American male will say this is good. If there are women who want to take part in combat operations and they qualify to do so, then by God, we can't deny them the opportunity. Now, speaking as an old old school American male that still believes women are indeed different from men and there are really only two genders, male and female, I stand against putting our American women into harm's way, combat, and I stand against including them into the draft. I have two granddaughters I have, and I don't want them drafted and thrown into the fog of war. No way. I've been there and done it like many millions of other American men. You men out there, do you want this for your daughters and granddaughters? Do you want it? America, it's bad enough we send our sons into war. Now, do we really want your daughters there as well? Wake the hell up, America! This is not the America that we built This is not the America where males did the hard work, went off the war and protected the country and their wives and their daughters and their granddaughters. This is not that America anymore. American males today, not all but most, they would run from the draft. They would hide along with Obama and his cohorts. Wake the hell up, America. Wake the hell up, American males. Stop your hugging, do some handshaking, and straighten your damn spine up and be the American male that we used to know. Coming up next is commentary by, by Mr. Mark Levine on women in combat. 
women in the military in combat, and the Secretary of Defense and the Barack Hussein Obama Jr. regime, how they've opened the doors to include our daughters, our granddaughters, and to all combat roles in the United States military. Mr. Mark Levine. And now look, they're destroying the United States military with all the social engineering. All the social engineering, and today we learn the Secretary of Defense, Ash Carter, he announces that women will now be able to uh, serve in every single frontline combat position. That is a radical extremist position that rejects complete reality. They don't care about the United States military. Their poisonous politics, their poisonous ideology is ubiquitous. That's why we're in danger. That's why people are dying. From their liberal judges to their liberal prosecutors to their liberal jurors. This Pentagon chief, this, this incompetent boob, this bureaucrat, uh, Ash Carter, obviously taking his direction from Obama, because Obama, let me tell you what Obama's doing. Obama's looking at the horizon, at the horizon of government, at the horizon of government programs, at the horizon of policy, and he's saying to himself, I've got another 13, 14 months. He's a Marxist in a candy shop. That's what he is. And he's there. Nobody's going to stop me. By the time the courts catch up with me, it'll be too damn late. The Republicans are rolling all over the place. Nobody's going to stop me. I can do whatever treaties I want without using treaties. I'm pushing global warming. I'm pushing gun control. I'm pushing uh, the, the upending of American citizenship. I'm just driving the agenda. And there they are at the Defense Department. So his hack, Ash Carter said today, better name would be Ash Carter, ordered the military to open all combat jobs to women. All combat jobs to women, rebuffing a request by the Marine Corps to exclude women from certain frontline combat jobs. All frontline combat jobs, all combat jobs, are now going to be open to women. Are we proud of ourselves, ladies and gentlemen? This radical egalitarianism that seeps through everything, whether it's our economy or what have you, do we really want our women? I am old school, sorry. Do we really want our daughters, our sisters, our mothers, do we really want our women on the front lines of combat with genocidal maniacs like ISIS, like Al-Qaeda? I don't think so. This is a very, very sad and dark day in America, no question about it. Yes, indeed, Mr. Levine, it's very, very sad that a commander-in-chief, the commander-in-chump, Barack Hussein Obama, Jr., who we know through his actions and deeds, if he was called upon to put the uniform on of one of our military services, he would run and hide. Do you really think, do you really think Obama would encourage his two daughters to sign up and go in the military to put their boots on the ground somewhere in this godforsaken places that we send our military, like the Middle East or wherever, do you think he would encourage his two lovely daughters to go and put the boots on the ground, join the military, and join the fight? Hell no, he wouldn't. Do you think any congressman or senator would? Hell no, they wouldn't. They lay it upon the feet and lay it at the feet of we the people. The same to people that they demean and besmirch all the time. You know, we people that cling to our Bibles and guns. We're the ones that go fight the wars. And we're the ones that catch the hell from the elitists that sit in our ivory towers up in Washington, D.C. and the elitist mainstream media. 
You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's a crying damn shame that America has come to the point where our young men and our men and our veterans and our people that are in the military don't stand up to this commander and jump and say we don't need mil- mem- women in our combat roles in our military. They're women. They're our moms. They're our sisters. Our, 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 uh, they, they belong in the military, of course, but not in combat roles. But the average American male today don't understand that. They, when you talk about cohesion in the military, you talk about cohesion even down at the platoon level and how those guys feed on each other, how they have each other's backs. They know that that guy is capable of, of uh, hauling them out over their shoulders if they get wounded. They know that. But you know, like I said, the average American male today has nothing to do with the military. The average American male today knows it's an all-volunteer force. Do you see them banging at the doors to go get these guys and gals that are now but waging war against ISIS? Do you see the average American male and the parents encourage their uh, their sons to go sign up and go help these guys out have been that have been serving one combat tour after another? Hell no, you don't! Because the average American male today, they'll play their Halo games on video and think they're combat ready because they're combat ready with their buddy that lives across the, oh, I don't know, lives in some other state and they're playing Halo with their little microphones and, and head, headset on and shooting as many as they can. But when it comes to doing the real thing and protecting their country, they hide out in their parents' basement. And we have a president of the United States that comes from the same ilk. We have a president of the United States. We have a Congress. We have a mainstream media that are always talking about boots on the ground. But when it comes time to put boots on the ground and give boots on the ground that are already there a relief and put some new dogs in the fight, if you will, these people won't do it. These people will not uh, encourage their sons and daughters to join the fight. It's an all-volunteer army. We have a commander in chump that realizes that. And he's taking full advantage of it. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, to open combat rolls up to women, that's a slap in the face of America. We've always stood by our women. We've always stood by them and protected them. I'm talking about we, the male, the American male. But in new school America... That whole attitude, I guess chivalry or whatever the hell you want to call it, is out the window. The American male today runs and hides under their desk, under their bed, down in the basement. 99.98% of America has never or is not serving in the military, not wearing the uniform of the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard. They are running away from that duty to their country. It's an all-volunteer army. Why should I? You know, uh, Mr. Mark Levine and myself are uh, in lockstep on this issue. We are both old-school people. We both know the consequences of what Obama has now done, what the Secretary of Defense Carter has done. We know what is going. it is going to impact on our military in a negative way. Now, if you think back just a few years, Obama 
homosexuals in the, in the military. Don't ask, don't tell. He done away with it. He brought them out into the open. Transgendered. Uh, now they're talking about the United States military having to pay for people in the military who want sex changes. Now I served in the military. I served in the military. My brother served in the military. My father, my uncles, they all served in the military. One war right after another. And we were never exposed to what men in the military, straight men, are exposed to today when it comes to all these social experiments. It's destroying our America. But like I said, most Americans don't understand because they've never had a dog in the fight when it comes to the military. Their parents were probably never in the military. So they just can't put two and two together. The media backs Obama on this issue. The Democrat and Republican parties, same thing. They never stand up and say, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute on this. We can't be doing this. Where's the, the big-time military dude, Lindsey Graham? Where's the big-time military dude, John McCain? Why aren't they saying something about this? This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after the Phyllis Shafley Report. You're listening to freedominamerica.us. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Friday edition. We'll be back after the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome to the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Mrs. Schlafly is founder and CEO of Ego Forum, a leading force in the pro-family movement since 1972. And now, here's Mrs. Schlafly. A federal case moving to trial in Texas could make a way to stop the practice of giving automatic U.S. citizenship to children born to illegal aliens. Polls show that Americans oppose this by more than two to one. An explosive document filed by the government of Mexico added fuel to the national debate. The legal brief, which includes a sworn affidavit by Mexico's Consul General for Texas, openly admits that Mexico's official policy is to encourage its poor people to migrate here illegally in order to cash in to our U.S. generous welfare system. The brief declares that Mexico is responsible to protect its nationals wherever they may be residing. And a footnote clarifies that under the Mexican Constitution, Mexican nationality is granted to children born abroad of a Mexican-born parent. In other words, anchor babies born in this country retain their parents' nationality, which means their citizenship belongs there, not here. Like other states, Texas issues a birth certificate to a close relative only on presentation of a valid ID issued by a U.S. federal or state agency. Mexican consulates issue an official-looking document called the Matricula Consular, which includes a laminated photo. Of course, Texas rightly refuses to accept such foreign documents that it has no way to verify the basic allegation of the lawsuit is that by refusing to accept the matricula consular as proper ID, 
Texas is somehow violating the 14th Amendment by depriving anchor babies of U.S. citizenship. On the contrary, the reliance on a foreign identity document proves the babies are subject to the jurisdiction of a foreign power and thus not eligible for automatic U.S. citizenship. You can send a clear message to Washington on the topic of immigration and stay informed yourself by contacting your senator's office and requesting they send you a copy of the Immigration Handbook by Senator Jeff Sessions. Let both of your senators know you care about this issue by calling them directly and asking for the Immigration Handbook. On behalf of Eagle Forum, thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Next up, it's the Liberty Council Report. Stand by. Helping victims of ISIS in their own backyard. Hi, I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. We'll talk about this next on Freedom's Call. ISIS continues to exterminate religious communities like in Aleppo, the largest and one of the most historically significant cities in Syria. Now desperate Christians and others hide in the shadows while war rages all around them. Their situation has become so difficult that people are even beginning to lose hope. Now our ministry partners in Syria have established a supply line to bring food and water to thousands of hopeless men, women, and children. We are celebrating this while we are deeply aware that it may soon be discovered and shut down. We want to take full advantage of this opportunity to deliver critically needed supplies and hope. Join Liberty Relief International. That's Liberty Council's humanitarian outreach. Go to libertycouncil.com, libertycouncil.com. In Congress, in the courtroom, and in your community, Liberty Council is advancing life, liberty, and the family. Log on to lc.org. Well, welcome back to the Friday edition of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. I hope you're having a great day wherever you're at in God's big, beautiful world. And that includes you folks up there in the icebox up there in Canada. You know, folks, how many times have you heard Obama say, radicalized? How many times have you heard anybody that represents the government use the term radicalized? How many times have you heard the mainstream media, including Fox News, all those talking heads, using the term radicalized when you talk about Islam, when you talk about Muslims, when you talk about the war on terror, when you talk about all those individuals from the Muslim persuasion that practice and and uh, their so-called faith of Islam, when they, they do something that blows up a building or they, they blow up a, and kill 14 people in San Bernardino, California, the word radicalized is the word that's out front of everything else when they try to connect the dots when they talk about terrorism and Islam. We have a president who, who refuses to say radical Islam. Radical Muslims. He refuses to say it. Now, when you talk about using the word radical or radicalized, when you talk about Islam and you talk about Muslims who perpetrate all these killings and murders and terrorism on people throughout the world, what's the first thing you think in your mind when you hear the word radical or radicalized? 
Well, they weren't ra- they weren't radicalized. Uh, they were just common everyday Muslims before these bad or oh, these bad people, uh, ISIS and ISIL and all of them got a hold of them through media or on the telephone or emails or got them in a mosque somewhere. Before that, they they were just good old uh, moderate Muslims. Now, I have said many times on my show, when you use the word moderate and you attach it to a Muslim, what that really means in my mind's eye and in my uh, analysis is, when you talk about a moderate Muslim, that's one who won't speak out against their religion, will not inform the authorities on what's going down in their communities that they know is going on in their mosques, preaching hate, preaching go after the Americans, go after the British, go after the Germans, whatever. They refuse to inform the uh, so-called people who are waging war on Islam, I guess, the authorities. But you know, ladies and gentlemen of America, moderate Muslim is a Muslim who will hold a individual down, a infidel down, why a radical, so-called radical, beheads them. That's what a moderate Muslim is. And when you use the word radicalized, when you talk about Muslims who have done dastardly deeds and killed infidels throughout the world, throughout the United States, they're not radicalized. It's the religion they follow. It's time America uh, educates itself on what the Quran says, what the Quran means, how it dictates to Muslims from the time they're born until they die, what they will do, how they will look at infidels, etc. I've talked about it many, many times. Now, I was talking to Mr. Trade Martin the other night on his radio show, along with some other individuals up there, Mr. Billy Van Horn and a couple of other guys. And we were talking about that exact subject when we talk about radicalized, when the media uses that term, when our our Congress uses that term, when the people who are are the authorities, the FBI, etc., use that term radicalized. They are trying to differentiate between a so-called mainstream Muslim who's just a nice guy or gal walking around in the United States or walking around in London or, or, or uh, Munich or, or, or Rome, Italy, whatever. They're just nice people. They're not radicalized. They go to, they go to the mosque uh, every, every day every, and pray five times a day to Allah. They point towards Mecca and they pray. They pray right out of the Quran and they follow the Quran to the letter uh, dot, dot all T's and dot, uh, cross all T's and dot all I's. They are a absolute devout Muslim praying out of the Quran, a prayer and follower of Islam. They're not uh, radical. Ladies and gentlemen of America, all you folks in Europe, all you folks in New Zealand, Australia, out there on the Pacific Rim, all you folks in Canada, please take the time to go read excerpts from the Quran and what it dictates to followers of the Quran, Muslims, the religion of Islam, what it tells Muslims it must do if they honor and follow Islam and Allah. It damn sure doesn't say coddle and take a... a a, a negative or, or, or a, a look at 
infidels in a in a positive way. They always the Quran says look at infidels in a negative way. That's what it teaches. That's what it teaches these people. And to come out and use the word radicalized when we talk about those two individuals or any individuals that go out and kill and murder and rape infidels all in the name of Allah. All in the name of Allah. Allah Akbar. That's what the Quran dictates. And for our individual people in Congress and our people, the authorities, the FBI and so on, to use that word radicalized to differentiate between an average Joe Blow, Mr. or Mrs. Muslim, and a person who goes out and kills infidels, terrorists, Islamic terrorists, jihadists, there's no difference! They all pray from the same Koran. They all practice the same religion of Islam. Now, it's pretty sickening when you get individuals that uh, cannot figure that out. You get, it gets pretty sickening when you get people like Bill O'Reilly, people like uh, uh, Megan Kelly, people like uh, Bill Hammer, all of them on Fox. They all follow that thing to a T. They differentiate between a Muslim and a radicalized Muslim. They are all Muslims. They all pray from the same Quran. They all practice the same religion, Islam. They all mutter the same words, Allah Akbar, Akbar, whatever. How much do we have to be beat over the head? How much do we have to have our teeth kicked in time after time worldwide by this so-called religion which is no more than a phony cult, a political cult that controls people, controls Muslims from birth to death and dictates to them what they can and can't do, dictates to them how to treat women, dictates to them on things such as Sharia law, honor killings, all of that, that's all bundled up in Islam, in the Quran. It's time America, it's time Europe, it's time all people of the free world understand this. Muslims are Muslims. There's no such thing as radicalized Muslims. They're all radicalized by the Quran. Have a listen to what our FBI director says about the two slime bags, the two scumbags, the two Muslims, followers of Islam, listen to what he has to say in a statement he made about what pushed them over the edge, I guess, into killing those 14 people and wounding 20-plus people in San Bernardino, California. In fact, our investigation to date, which I can only say so much about at this point, indicates that they were actually radicalized before they started uh, courting or dating each other online. And online, as late as, as early as the end of 2013, they were talking to each other about jihad and martyrdom before they became engaged and then married and lived together in the United States. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, there's two things in that statement. One, he uses the term radicalized. Two, he tells on the FBI He's, t- he's saying that the FBI missed it. They dropped the ball. Two years before, these people were doing what they did 
in San Bernardino, California, murdering innocent Americans. These people are already getting set up, already figuring out ways to get into the United States, etc. They came in under false pretenses. They came in knowing, the FBI knowing that one of them was already hooked up with the wrong people over in Pakistan. Yet the FBI missed it. He admitted it. Now I have to ask you people this. If we have the director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation who is supposedly here in America, this uh, agency is here in America to protect all the interests of Americans on American soil. They look into all types of different investigations. If they can't even find and can't even hook the dot, connect the dots together, because I'm sure the NSA and the DIA, they had information. I'm sure they did. But these people at the FBI missed it. They dropped the ball, or they took their eye off the ball and allowed these two people to come in without even raising a finger or even looking into it, giving that woman a visa to come here to supposedly get married. How many other Pakistanis, how many other Muslim Pakistanis have done the same thing? How many other Muslims from other countries, Nigeria, whatever, have done the same thing, used our system, which is a failure when it comes to allowing people into this country on different kinds of visas, how many other Muslims who worship Islam, I refuse to use the word radicalized, because they all are, if they worship Islam, they are already radicals. How many more are now walking around the streets of America, in your town, my town? How many? Now we say, oh, there's probably 70 or 80 or 90 here. How in the hell can they put a number on it? Based on what they know? Based on what they've seen come through our system? And they are trying to keep tabs on them? While they walk around in our country? Attend our colleges? How many? They don't know. Just like they don't know how many illegal aliens are in this country. They put a number of 11 million. They've been using that same number for years. Yet our borders are open. How many Muslims have wandered across our border and walked carte blanche into our country and uh, faded into the little small towns and hamlets and, and big towns in our country all waiting for that day when they get that phone call? How many? The FBI doesn't know. Obama doesn't know. They have no freaking idea. Yet Obama is prepared to bring thousands Thousands of Syrians into our country, browbeating our state governors and telling them, you will take them. Well, we have one state governor and one senator standing up to Obama. Just recently, Governor Abbott from my state of Texas, Senator Cruz from my state, Texas, my senator, have told Obama we're not going to do this and have legislation on the board, on the books now waiting to be uh, considered and passed to give these states the opportunity to either refuse or receive 
these Syrians or any refugees, as Obama calls them. You know, ladies and gentlemen, push comes to shove, America's under a big pile of duress. The red flags are flying everywhere. They're coming out of Congress. They're coming out of our military. They're coming out of everywhere. Obama is attacking every entity within our government. The military, Congress, our agencies that are protecting ourselves, the FBI, the NSA, the DIA, the CIA, he is going after them all. All with the help of mainstream media, including Fox News. All with the help of mainstream media, including printed matter and newspapers like the New York Times, the Washington Post. All with the same help coming from his followers, Obama's followers and those who adore him, the liberal left, you people that think you're so damn smart and so educated that you don't have uh, an idea, an inkling whatsoever on what the real world's all about. Everything's political to you. My way or the highway. Shut the hell up if you have a different point of view. You know, America... We people out here in flyover country, we people down south, we people that are away from the west coast or the east coast, we people that have gray matter between our ears and are able to look at the situations, form an opinion, do some analysis, we know we're in big trouble because we have people that call themselves leaders that couldn't lead a, a herd of goats down the road. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, and we'll be back after a few short messages. Today, nearly 4,000 unborn children are denied life and love. National Right to Life is working to change that. For more than 30 years, National Right to Life has worked through education and legislation to make sure that every child is given the opportunity to share their love, their gifts, and their talents with the world. Our work now is more critical than ever. Respect for life is being attacked on all fronts and at all stages, from the tiniest unborn child to the medically dependent and disabled to our elderly citizens. It is the support of our members, pro-life men and women from across the country, that helps to advance our cause. Join with National Right to Life and countless other pro-life men and women and make a unified stand for life. This has been a Perspective on Life from National Right to Life. For more information, visit our website, www.nrlc.org. That's nrlc.org. Take an ordinary putty knife and scrape off the old wax ring. Place the new wax ring over the flange, then line up the bolts with the bowl and gently set in place, making sure a proper seal is created with the flange and drain. Next. Um, Dad? Uh, yeah, sweetie. Is that an old plumbing manual? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, honey. We really need to get some new books. Right. Um, do, do you want me to stop? Nah, I kind of want to know how it ends. Okay. Tighten the bolts, line up the flushing valve to the opening in the top of the bowl, and secure the tank with a screwdriver and crescent wrench. <laughs> 
The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Well, we're coming up on the hour, the hourly news. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, we've covered a lot of ground today. We've covered a couple of issues uh, that are impacting on you and I and our families. And coming up in the second hour, we're going to be visiting a lot more issues that um, impact on us as Americans, impact on us as family members, impact on us as mothers and fathers, impact on us as Christians. And we're going to be talking about a whole litany of different things that have come to light since Obama's regime took office in the coup of 2008. We're going to be talking about all those issues that Obama has created, all those issues that he has put out there by design to disrupt the lives of American people, disrupt our way of life, if you will, literally destroy the American way of life. Literally, as he said, fundamentally change America, as he stated he was going to do a few days, a few weeks before he was elected, that he was going to fundamentally change America. America, I ask you this, between 2008 and 2015, can you step back? Can you step back from it all and look at what America is today as compared to what it was in 2007 and say honestly to yourself that America is still the same? Can you honestly say that? I doubt it very seriously. If you're really honest with yourself, if you have the capability to connect the dots, if you have gray matter between your ears where you're able to perform an analysis Put it all together and form an opinion on whatever subject you want to discuss about America, about our way of life, about our Christian religion. You can't truthfully say that America is the same today as it was in 2007. You can't truthfully say, if you're honest with yourself, that America today is more enlightening, more looking forward looks more like the America that we want. You can't honestly say that because it's not. If you look what Obama and his regime and the Republican leadership through its inability to act in a positive note and stand up against this tyrant, if you can honestly do that, then you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your country, my country, the future of your children and grandchildren and generations will never meet. You know that is all in jeopardy. Be honest with yourself, America. Be honest with yourself. Admit it. All you people on the left, all you liberals, you have to someday wake up to the fact that the liberal persuasion as operated under and conducted by the Obama regime isn't working. It's destroying the very country that you have your feet planted on. The very country that your children are being raised in. You have to admit if you can't do that 
If you cannot see all the signs that are pointing towards uh, a country, our country, America, going down over the cliff into into full-blown communism, and someday, very, very soon, in the whole scheme of things, as far as how fast history travels in in, in the future, you can't truthfully say that somewhere down the line in the future that America is not going to be America. It's going to be something else completely. We're going to have people in this country that really don't give a damn. We already do. That don't give a damn about our Constitution. Hell, we have Americans that don't care. Have never been educated on what the Constitution's about. But we are bringing people in by the truckloads, by the train load, by the plane load from other countries, third world trash, coming across our borders, coming from the Middle East, coming from Africa, they don't give a damn about America. They're bringing uh, their ideology, their religion of Islam or whatever with them. They're not going to change. They can't conform. They can't assimilate. They don't want to. Now, when you're talking about Muslims, you're talking about them coming here and somewhere down the road, through their efforts, through their demands, using our Constitution and our freedom of rights against us, they're going to demand that we comply with their way of looking at, at the world. Their Sharia law. Their way of governing their people through Islam, through the Koran. They're looking at us from the day they land here and every day they walk around the streets and see we Americans, they're looking at us as infidels, as taught by the religion of Islam. And they should have nothing to do with us except one of two things. Own us and trade us as slaves or kill us. That's the bottom line. That's what's taught in all the mosques. If they truly teach Islam, if they truly had the imams up here preaching Islam as the Quran states in the, bio, in, the, in the directives, they are not radicalized. They are Muslims. Radicalized was a word that it was invented by our government, by our agencies, by the mainstream media to drive a wedge between the American people and and confusing them on Islam, on Muslims, on the Koran. Muslims are Muslims. Islam is Islam. The Koran is the Koran. And again, I beg every American, go up on the internet. Find some uh, sites that lay it all out on what the Quran states and dictates to the Muslim people. Educate yourself. So the next time, maybe if you run across someone uh, from the liberal persuasion or mainstream media that talks about radical Islam, you can hit them right between the eyes with quotes, with statements from the Quran. We must educate ourselves. We must be, become familiar with what we're faced with. You know, if a person or a country doesn't know its enemy, it's going to be defeated. It's going to be put down. And right now, most of the American people are wondering aimlessly when we talk about the issue of Muslims, Islam, the Koran, jihadists, terrorists. 
And one last thing, and I'm going to say it again. The mainstream media, including Fox News, our government, all our government agencies, have thrown a false flag up for the American people to latch on to as the truth when they use the word radicalized Muslims. All Muslims are worshiping from the same Koran. Oh yeah, Gary, but uh, they look at it a different way. All Muslims worship from the same Koran. We'll be back at the top of the hour, 5-Minute News. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Show. Gary will be back after the Fox 5-Minute News break. Please stand by. Fox News Radio, I'm Tom Graham. From blue uniform to orange jumpsuit, former Oklahoma City cop Daniel Holtzclaw convicted of first-degree rape. Prosecutors say he victimized 13 women under the pretense of checking for drugs or outstanding warrants. Supporters of his victims speaking out. I'm feeling that justice was served. I'm feeling that our judicial system did their job. Our DA, they handle business. Holtzclaw facing more than two and a half centuries behind bars. Two deputy marshals in Marks Louisiana, facing second-degree murder charges, accused in the deadly shooting of a six-year-old as his father was pulled over in his car. President Obama wants to force more gun control rules in the wake of the San Bernardino attack. White House spokesman Josh Earnest. He is going to forcefully advocate for the kind of gun safety measures uh, that common sense tells us president pushing to strip Second Amendment rights of any American placed on the government's no-fly list. FBI divers in California searching for possible evidence that may have been tossed by the San Bernardino attackers. The search continued not only locally across the country, but around the globe. Of the FBI dive team, they've come to a park in downtown San Bernardino. We're told as part of the investigation into this terrorism case, there are two FBI divers in here right now. They've been in this water for about an hour. We're not sure how long they're going to stay, but they specifically are targeting this area of the lake. We don't know where this tip came from, but we do know they are looking for evidence specifically involving this case. Fox's Adam Housley there. Relentless rains continue to pound the waterlogged northwestern U.S. Washington State Governor Jay Inslee. We still got rain. We still got flooding. We just got to ask people to be safe. Don't drive into water that you're not absolutely sure of. Here's some good news. Single lane now open on Interstate 5, about 25 miles north of Portland, Oregon. It had been closed due to an earlier landslide. On Wall Street, stock futures on the positive side overnight. You're listening to Fox News Radio, fair and balanced. Okay, gang. So chances are there'll never be an emergency ever, ever again. Mm -hmm. But just in case, let's talk about a plan. Okay. So who's going to do what? Anyone? Uh... Yeah, okay, perfect. We'll figure it out as we go. So, who is going to grab the go bag? What's a go bag? It is a bag we do not have that is filled with things we really, really need in an emergency. Guess we won't have to worry about it then. Ah, good point. So, uh, we all know who to call if something happens then, right? I'd have to call Jill, Devin, Melissa, Karen, and... Bruce. And I will try to call all of you, but Greg doesn't have a cell phone. Dad's phone will have a dead battery. No doubt. And Julie will be on the phone with Jill, Devin, Melissa, Karen, and Bruce. Well, this is great. <laughs> I am so glad that we don't have a plan. I know. Winging it is not an emergency plan. Make sure your kids know what to do during an emergency. Who to call, where to meet, what to pack. Visit ready.gov kids for tips and information. A public service announcement brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. 
The Swiss city of Geneva, under high alert. Police are on the lookout for at least four suspects allegedly linked to ISIS. The fear target for what was called a serious and imminent attack. The European headquarters for the United Nations there. The meeting was planned tomorrow on Syria involving Russian, U.S., and U.N. officials. Security of the complex is on maximum alert. Submachine guns are out in the outskirts of that perimeter. Security on the Swiss borders also at a high state of alert. There had been reports that a car with Belgian registration and with suspect individuals on board was seen crossing into Switzerland. The alert was initially thought to be tied to suspects involved in the Paris attacks. Fox News' Greg Palcott in London could give a lot of nations nightmares if true. North Korea claims it has a hydrogen bomb. According to North Korea's official news agency, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un says his country has developed a hydrogen bomb. But White House spokesman Josh Earnest was quick to pour cold water on that claim. At this point, you know the information that we have access to uh, calls into serious question uh, those claims. South Korea's defense ministry said they too had no intelligence on their neighbor's hydrogen bomb claim. Fox's John Decker at the White House. A ghost train in Boston. This after a transit train began moving without a driver. 50 people were on board as the train zipped through four stations before power to the third rail was finally cut. The good news, no one hurt. Tense moments on the campus of Arkansas State University going on lockdown after a gunman was spotted with several gas container propane tanks in his truck. Campus Police Chief Randy Martin. The end result is... This man is in custody and nobody's hurt. Bradley Bartlett, charged with aggravated assault. You're listening to Fox News Radio, fair and balanced. Hello! You are listening to Gary Gatehouse Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have good questions on the show like... Uh, Mr. Obama, sir, I have a, just a quick question if I can. Um, I was wondering... Yeah, where's your birth certificate? Where's your Koran? Where is Obama's true religious beliefs? Where are they? Where do they lie? Is he a Christian? Is he a Muslim? Is he a secularist? Is he an atheist? Is he a heathen? What is he? Does anybody really know? I mean, he attended the Christian, so-called Christian church of the Reverend Wright. But we know that the Reverend Wright used our Lord Savior's name in vain during sermons inside his church. We know that the Reverend Wright preached out against honkies and whitey. And we know that Reverend Wright preached out against America. Hate America. We know that Reverend Wright, our buddy, his buddies with Father Flagger and Clipso Louie, Farrakhan. So where does that put Obama? You go back and look at Obama's previous life, if you will, for poor politics. Everything he was involved with, from the time I guess he could read the Koran, to the time he attended uh, the uh, Muslim schools, to the times that his mother was bouncing around between other guys, getting married here and there. Where was Obama's psyche? Where was his makeup politically, 
his ideology, how was it all put together and built by influence of people that he uh, hung around with in college. People that uh, he hung around with in various, oh, I don't know, movements, the feminist movement. It says in his book that he hung around with those folks that bought into communism and Marxism. And he always seeked out the individuals that uh, were, I guess, for no other good description, were against America in one way, shape, or form. Then along comes Obama in Chicago when he loses his law license. When his squeeze, Michelle, is told she can no longer practice law. What's that all? What is that all about? His community organizing days. When he rubs elbows with people that literally went out and tried to destroy America back in the 70s and the 60s. Then we look at Obama today. We listen to the rhetoric coming out of his mouth. We listen to what really he stands for. He's laid it out there for all of us what he stands for. And it damn sure isn't we the people. It damn sure isn't America. It damn sure isn't America's way of life. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. He enjoys the American way of life at the expense of we the people, our taxpayer money. He enjoys golf. He enjoys rubbing elbows with the socialist, Marxist, progressive, communist left in Hollywood. He enjoys all that stuff. But when it comes time to talking about America and talking about what we stand for, what we mean to the rest of the world, he goes on apology trips. He goes to the Middle East and he bows down at the waist. He couldn't bow down anymore to the prince of Saudi Arabia, the king of Saudi Arabia, who hangs a big old gold chain on his neck. And at every opportunity, every opportunity, from day one, when he occupied the Rainbow House, used to be known as the White House, Obama has spoke out against Christianity, spoken everything he can in an ill manner against Christians, against people in America who believe in Christianity. We coddle our guns in the Bibles. That's all we got to hold on to. And believe me, that's enough. But he use it as, uses that statement in a negative term when describing us people in flyover country, down south, up in the hills of Kentucky, wherever. Because he's an elitist. He knows it all. He's well, uh, well versed in all of his oratory skills. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, one thing he's not. He's not truthful. Obama's a liar. Obama ha- is a habitual liar. Along with people that support him that were part of his cabinet like Hillary Rotten Clinton. An accomplished liar. She's had decades to practice her trade of lying. And she's very good at it. Because she picks on people out there that don't have too much gray matter between their ears and believe whatever they hear. That's the way the Democrat Communist Party functions anyway. That's the way communism functions. Find minorities. Find the undereducated. Find the impoverished. Take them to task. Tell them that you're the only one that can get them out of whatever mess they're in. You're going to be their mom and dad, their brother, sister, aunt, and uncle. You are the only reason 
for them to even exist. And that's what the Communist Democrat Party has told minorities, namely the black community, for decades and decades. Now, Obama gave a speech way back on this last Wednesday. And he was talking about the anniversary of the, uh, slavery and the uh, abolishing of. But you know, when he started talking, you know, or we knew, we who pay attention really knew what he was saying. We really knew what Obama was saying when he gave that speech. Have a listen. The people founded on the premise that all are created equal. And to many of the time, that judgment was clear as well. Preachers, black and white, railed against this moral outrage from the pulpit. Former slaves rattled the conscience of Americans in books and pamphlets and speeches. Men and women organized anti-slavery conventions and fundraising drives. Farmers and shopkeepers opened their barns, their homes, their cellars as way stations on an underground railroad where African-Americans often risked their own freedom to ensure freedom of others. And enslaved Americans with no rights of their own, they ran north and kept the flame of freedom burning, passing it from one generation to the next with their faith and their dignity and their song. The reformers' passion only drove the protectors of the status quo to dig in harder. And for decades, America wrestled with the issue of slavery in a way that we have with no other before or since. It shaped our politics, and it nearly tore us asunder. Tensions ran so high, so personal, that at one point a lawmaker was beaten unconscious on the Senate floor. Eventually, war broke out brother against brother, north against south. At its heart, the question of slavery was never simply about civil rights. It was about the meaning of America, the kind of country we wanted to be, whether this nation might fulfill the call of its birth. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among those are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. President Lincoln understood that if we were ever to fully realize that founding promise, it meant not just signing an Emancipation Proclamation, not just winning a war. It meant making the most powerful collective statement we can in our democracy, etching our values into our Constitution. He called it a king's cure for all the evils. 150 years proved the cure to be necessary but not sufficient. Progress proved halting, too often deferred. 
Newly freed slaves may have been liberated by the letter of the law, but their daily lives told another tale. They couldn't vote. They couldn't fill most occupations. They couldn't protect themselves or their families from indignity or from violence. And so abolitionists and freedmen and women and radical Republicans kept cajoling and kept rabble-rousing, and within a few years of the war's end, at Appomattox, we passed two more amendments guaranteeing voting rights, birthright citizenship, equal protection under the law, and still it wasn't enough. For another century, we saw segregation and Jim Crow make a mockery of these amendments, and we saw justice turn a blind eye to mobs with nooses slung over trees. We saw bullets and bombs terrorize generations. And yet, through all this, the call to freedom survived. We hold these truths to be self-evident. And eventually, a new generation rose up to march and to organize and to stand up and to sit in with the moral force of nonviolence and the sweet sound of those same freedom songs that slaves had sung so long ago, crying out not for special treatment but for equal rights, calling out for basic justice promised to them almost a century before. Like their abolitionist predecessors, they were plain, humble, ordinary people, armed with little but faith. Faith in the Almighty, faith in each other, and faith in America. Hope, in the face so often of all evidence to the contrary that something better lay around the bend. Because of them, maids and porters and students and farmers and priests and housewives because of them, the civil rights law was passed, and the voting rights law was signed, and doors of opportunity swung open, not just for the black porter, but also for the white chambermaid and the immigrant dishwasher, so that their daughters and their sons might finally imagine a life for themselves beyond washing somebody else's laundry or shining somebody else's shoes. Freedom for you and for me. Freedom for all of us. And that's what we celebrate today. The long arc of progress. Progress that is never assured, never guaranteed, but always possible. Always there to be earned. No matter how stuck we might seem Sometimes, no matter how divided or despairing we may appear, no matter 
what ugliness may bubble up. Progress, so long as we're willing to push for it. So long as we're willing to reach for each other. We would do a disservice to those warriors of justice, Tubman and Douglas and Lincoln and King, were we to deny that the scars of our nation's original sin are still with us today. We condemn ourselves to shackles once more if we fail to answer those who wonder if they're truly equals in their communities or in their justice systems or in a job interview. We betray the efforts of the past if we fail to push back against bigotry in all its forms. But we betray our most noble past as well if we were to deny the possibility of movement, the possibility of progress. If we were to let cynicism consume us and fear overwhelm us. If we lost hope for however slow, however incomplete, however harshly, loudly, rudely challenged at each point along our journey in America, we can create the change that we seek. All it requires is that our generation be willing to do what those who came before us have done to rise above the cynicism and rise above the fear, to hold fast to our values, to see ourselves in each other, to cherish dignity and opportunity, not just for our own children, but for somebody else's child, with the freedom of others, to be honorable alike in what we give and what we preserve. to nobly save or meanly lose the last best hope of Earth. To nobly save or meanly lose the last best hope of Earth. That is our choice. Today, we affirm you know, folks, whoever wrote that speech, it damn sure wasn't Obama. He just get it, got up there and read it off the teleprompter. Whoever wrote that speech, and if that speech was given by anyone else besides Obama, it would there would be credence uh, put to it. But to get for a person to stand up there like Obama, or even say Hillary Clinton, it really has not much meaning because they're both Democrats. And if you look back into the whole thing, scheme of things, when it comes to slavery and the black community, it's the communist Democrats, it's the Democrats who have and are still holding the black community on the plantation. Now it's the welfare plantation. It's the undereducated plantation.
It's the undica- uh, the supplantation of continuous promises to the black community by the Communist Democrat Party and all their peers, but never coming through on what they promise. That's the bottom line on that. But that's not the real issue here when, regarding this speech. And as you listen to it, and it got closer and closer to the end, all you people that can take and listen to the tone and listen to the wording and how he plays on words, you understand what he is driving towards. You understand what the real meaning of this speech is. If you get down to it, the black community in slavery, as we knew it back in the early days of our country, are not the real meaning of this speech. Oh, all those flowery words at the beginning, those are all a lead-up to what he really meant. Because you see, anything Obama says is politically motivated. Anything that Obama says is politically motivated towards the support of the Muslim community, towards Islam. He is telling us, if you read between the lines, that America should be ashamed of itself for turning its back on poor little Muslims that are in our country or poor little Muslims that he wants to bring this country via Syria and dump on the American people for us to pay for. Because if we don't, the only last hope left on earth will disappear. And shame on us because of for what we say we stand for. And shame on us for turning our backs on the people that he loves, the Muslims, the religion that he loves, Islam. And he is preaching to the people that he hates, Americans and Christians. And that is the bottom line. And I do not give a damn what anybody says about what I just said. If you pay attention to this liar-in-chief, this commander-in-chump, he is a liar, he's a purveyor of racism and bigotry, and he uses it at every chance. He uses the Constitution. He uses everything, every tool in the Democrat Communist toolbox to go after America. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line with Barack Hussein Obama Jr., the silver-tongued devil from the south side of Chicago, the community organizer, the staunch pupil of Saul Alinsky. Oh, sure, there's going to be a lot of people who say, oh, my God, that's a fantastic speech. I'm sure you'll hear it many times over from the talking heads on Fox News, CNN, NBC, CBS, public broadcasting they will all fawn over obama they will they won't really get down to the nitty-gritty of what he was really saying and they know what it is they know what it is you know ladies and gentlemen of america wednesday i was listening to the sean hannity show Sean Hannity has this guy call in, and Sean Hannity puts him across as the all-knowing individual, the guy that's in touch with D.C., it's Pulse, his name's Jamie whatever. And they were talking about Donald Trump. And they were talking about the statement that Donald Trump made about bringing or not bringing Syrians or Muslims in this country to take a temporary hold and get let the government get its act together on vetting, etc., before we renew it or start, start bringing them in. This guy tried to change that whole speech, and he said, this guy Jamie on the Sean Hannity show, he said, no, no, that's not what he said. He didn't say take a temporary. Sean Hannity even 
read back the whole context of Donald Trump's speech verbatim, and this guy still saw, talked around it. This guy still said, well, Donald Trump, uh, normally he's got his act together, but in this instance, he really didn't think it through. He did think it through. It was this this guy, Jamie, I, I forget his damn name. It is no consequence. You people that listen to Hannity, you know what I'm talking about. And here's a word to you, Mr. Sean Hannity. I know you're the only conservative on the whole Fox News network. Most Americans that pay attention know this. But I have to say, Mr. Sean Hannity, to bring this phony SOB that you call the man who's in touch and has a, a finger on the pulse of D.C., he is nothing but a liberal puke. He is nothing but somebody uh, that is up there in Washington, D.C., that is influenced by the left, and you can tell it every time he's on your show. He spins the truth into lies and lies into the truth. And he made a good example of that, talking about Donald Trump and the statement he made about Muslims coming into this country. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages. Hey, this is Gary Gatehouse, and you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on freedominamericaradio.com. Tune in Monday through Friday. You gotta take care of Texas, it's the only one we got If you're way up in love, look her down and look them by You gotta conserve water, keep the air clean Take care of Texas, don't you know what I mean, y'all? Kevin Fowler here, Texans take great pride in keeping our air clean Visit TakeCareOfTexas.org and take the pledge to help keep it that way We'll send you a free Texas State Park Guide You gotta take care of Texas, it's the only one we got Sponsored by the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Well, welcome back. You know I'm going to ruffle some feathers with this next segment. But, you know, I tell it like it is. I don't pony punches. I, 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 you know, I just, I just put it out there for you to listen to, and you can give a thumbs up or thumbs down. I don't care. I'm sure many of you watch the show during the evening, uh, during the afternoon hours uh, on Fox News. Outnumbered, I think is what they call it, where they have four or five women sitting around. Fox News talking heads. And they bring a guy in, usually one of their puppets on that are on Fox News or some little limp-wristed sucker from, I don't know, the Daily Beast or something. Who knows? And they talk about all kinds of issues. And they uh, sometimes they uh, lawyer up and sometimes they general up and they become military generals. And sometimes they become psychoanalysts and sometimes they become confessors. And sometimes they become clergymen and, and listen to all the problems of the world and, and discuss them. Whatever whatever they do on uh, out, uh, Outnumbered is a, is, a, is a big fallacy. It's a big bunch of BS. It's a big fluff show, if you will. But I was uh, my wife was watching it. Wednesday, and I was listening to what they had to say about Donald Trump and what he had to say about Muslims, etc., 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 and I want you to listen to what these, uh, I call them bimbos, because that's what they are, and again, I say it, I throw it out there, and if you don't like it, you don't, uh, 
You don't have to, uh, you know, go along with what I'm saying. I don't pull any punches. These women are on there. They're all bought and sold by Fox News. They're going to say what Fox News says they can say. They're not going to express really what they feel except one. Except one. And she uh, is an outspoken lady, and I, I appreciate what she says. And uh, Tanner Naros, or whatever her name is. And she tells it like it is. And she doesn't pull any punches. The rest of them, they're all a bunch of flakes. Have a listen to what they have to say about Donald Trump. And pay special attention to what bimbo, one bimbo does when she tries to talk like, I don't know, she acts like an idiot to start with. But listen, listen to the whole conversation. In short term, let our country get its act together. They knocked down the World Trade Center. They tried doing it twice. Other things have happened. They have a lot of, there are people that have tremendously bad intentions. We have to be tough. We have to be smart. And we have to be vigilant. His clarification, not slowing the controversy. Today, municipal and community leaders in New York City holding an anti-Trump rally. And the Democratic mayor of Philadelphia, Michael Nutter, saying he wishes he had the power to ban Trump from the city of brotherly love. And it's not just Democrats speaking out. Republicans on Capitol Hill also denouncing Trump's comments. House Speaker Paul Ryan and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell saying such a ban would be completely inconsistent with American values. All this as a new poll taken almost entirely before this controversy shows Trump dominating the first primary state of New Hampshire with 32 percent, holding a more than two to one lead over his closest GOP rival. And we just heard the president speaking about the 150th anniversary of the abolition of slavery and apparently referencing the comments we heard from Trump about Muslims and possibly the heated debate in this country over the refugee program. It, the, the story continues, Andy. I mean, what do you make today, first going back to Trump's clarification yeah. of his ban, saying it would just be for the short term? Yeah, he can clarify it all he wants. He needs to think these things through before he puts them out, because this is already, like, when he originally said this, then uh, Roll Call, or maybe it was The Hill, asked a spokesperson, does, does that include American citizens? And the spokesperson's reply was, he means everyone. And then quickly later that night on Greta, he had to walk that back. And now he's clarifying again. This is because he doesn't think these things through. It, he can clarify it all he wants. It, it, it's, a, okay, it's a dumb idea. But Andy, it just does not seem to be hurting him in the oh, polls. Oh, it's not going to hurt him. Catherine, I want to get you in here. This latest USA Today Suffolk University National Survey talking about whether or not this controversy will weigh on him in the polling. 68% of Trump supporters say they would stick with him should he run for the White House as an independent. So he never ruled out a third party run. He's saying if he goes, his supporters are saying they will stick by him. I think it's probably even higher than that. People might just be too embarrassed to admit that they support Trump. But have you heard anybody who supports Trump? They support him no matter what he says. He doesn't have to apologize. And he doesn't have to think about what he says before he says it. Because he just says, no, you know what? I'm right. And let's make America great again. And everyone says, yeah. And that's it. And it just goes away. Everybody. Kevin, let me challenge you on that for a second. Because it, it, it sounds to me like you're mocking him a bit. But it seems to be working and it is it's sticking working. and he he's tweeting out that latest uh, USA Today Suffolk University poll that's what he's been doing all along he it is working for him I have no idea why anyone's saying this is going to hurt him 
because none of this stuff has hurt. It just only helps him. See, he's saying what we're all thinking. I mean, I don't know who's thinking that, but there are people, apparently, and I think he's maybe even going to be more popular because of this. All right, Andrea, so is there anything that could hurt Trump at this point? I mean, this was seen as one of the most controversial remarks of his campaign. Yeah, this isn't going to hurt him at all. I agree with you. Um, look, I don't think he should have come out and used a religious test. He should have called for a moratorium uh, on migration from Islamic countries. That's sort of where he is now, that temporary hiatus. And I think, Sandra, after 9-11, after Boston, after Fort Hood, after Dallas, after San Bernardino, people are ready for it. And what he's doing is not just dominating the news cycle. Even when he's clarifying, he's still dominating. Mm -hmm. He's highlighting the weaknesses of the other Republican candidates. For example, candidates like Marco Rubio, who before Paris was pro-refugee, they are all over the map trying to walk this back and clarify. And their message now is, no, we can't to Donald Trump on a problem that Americans want answers to. And I tell you, that is not a good crouch for any politician. Trump's going to win this one. Andrea makes a good point. I mean, is this a good move for the GOP to be, you know, speaking out against Trump's remarks? We heard from House Speaker Paul Ryan, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, saying the ban would be completely inconsistent with American values. All right, so two things that I heard from both Andrea and, and Andy, not to leave you out, Catherine, <laughs> but they specifically talked about whether or not this will hurt uh, or help Trump. Look, he still soaks up the clarification round of media yes, stardom. Yep. Let's face it. I mean, if he's cleaning up, he's still atop the headlines. That's what the game is about at this point. That's what's been helping him since June, which, by the way, was the last time anybody else was ahead of this pack nationally. Uh, Chairman Mike McCall of the Homeland, uh, House Homeland Security Committee at the Christian Science Monitor Breakfast a short time ago just said, uh, you know what, these words are not helping. I'm going to paraphrase him about Trump. I don't believe the proposal is constitutional if singling out religion. But then... On Trump's proposal, McCall said he has not endorsed anyone, but he will support whomever mm -hmm. the Republican nominee is. So it's complicated for the GOP. It's complicated. It Who else in the party has soaked up this much limelight? No. And that's as well, running as a Republican. Andrea I, and Andy, I'll ask you both this. Uh, do you believe he is going to make a third party? Will it happen? Will we see him run? I don't think he's going to make a third party run. I actually do not think he needs to. One point quickly on the GOP, Speaker Paul Ryan, who I like very much, is not taking comments about this issue, about what Trump said on his website. The GOP is cowarding. They are, they are cowering in fear over this issue mm. and they need to step up because thank God at least Donald Trump is bringing an important issue to the foray and we're having this national debate. Republicans are running scared and this is why the base of the party is not happy with the establishment and they are rallying well, around you, Andy. I, I, I gotta say everyone keeps talking about Trump running as an independent if he's not the nominee. We need to start talking about whether a Republican is going to run as an independent if Trump is the nominee. Now ladies and gentlemen, when Trump made that statement about holding back on bringing Muslims to this country until the government gets his act together. And he did use the word temporarily. Did you hear him mention anything about Islam? Did you hear him mention anything about the Koran? Did you hear him mention anything or use the word religion or religious in that statement? Hell no, you didn't. That is something that the media, like Fox News, these bimbos, and all the rest of the mainstream media, and Paul Ryan, and the Dem Democrat, and the Republican Party have injected into it. Because they know, they know that the American people think, when they automatically think of Muslims, they automatically think of Islam, us who uh, have any gray matter between our ears, and, and can think 
They think that we think that when we say Muslim, it automatically there's a, a line or an arrow that goes directly into the target that says Islam, Quran. Maybe so. But the words were never injected or put into his statement. Only after his statement was the mainstream media and Congress and Paul Ryan and that damn bunch of people up there in the Republican leadership, that Republican Party, the GOP, the grand old progressives, only after Trump made his statement did they inject those words into it and started using the premises of religion. You know, ladies and gentlemen, words matter. Words mean things. And to use words, to turn them around, massage them with other words. They change the whole context of what a person says or writes or speaks. And the Democrat left and the Republican leadership and definitely the mainstream media, well, they they have a big handle on that. They can use that. That is one of their tools in their toolbox is to change the whole conversation around by using just a few little words here and there or highlighting this or that, spinning the lies into the truth, spinning truth into lies. They are excellent at it. They've had decade after decade to build up and practice their trade on doing that. After we come back from break, I have a Donald Trump report that I want you to hear. It's something that not a lot of people are talking about. It's something that we, people who support Donald Trump or Ted Cruz, either one, we know what I'm getting ready to say after the break lies in the minds of many liberals, many liberals out there. Yes, indeed, people probably in Congress to a lesser extent. We know that the GP is going to wage, is waging war against uh, Donald Trump. They are beside themselves. They do not know how to handle this guy. He can't be taught. He can't be threatened. They don't know what to do with him. The mainstream media have tried everything they can, including Fox News, to demean, dismerge, undermine Donald Trump and what he stands for and what he says. But he has made direct contact verbally eye contact whatever with the american people the people who work hard every day to keep this country running the american people republican and democrat independents whatever who have finally woken up to the fact that congress has screwed us for decades has finally woke up to the fact that the mainstream media is nothing but it's of elitists that like to rub elbows with that cartel set congress inside the beltway they're all in cahoots all in bed together and they've established this elitist bunch of people over the decades, the American people have finally woken up to the fact that this has been going on and they don't like it. They do not like it. They don't want to hear what that liar in chief has to say. They don't want to hear what the mainstream media has to say. They don't want to hear what the damn political politicians, the career politicians in Washington, D.C., inside the Beltway, have to say. They are fed up with it and tired of it. And that's why they're signing on to Donald Trump in droves. That's why Donald Trump is at the top of the heap. That's why these people are trying everything they can to undermine what he stands for and to make fun, impugn, and make fun of the people who support him. 
They referred to him as his supporters, like we're some entity outside the confines of the American population. We are the Americans that know what's going on. We supporters, if you will, of Donald Trump. We are the people who understand what's going on, and we don't like it. And the only way that we can speak our mind is to support a man that speaks our words. Speaks our mind. Is in direct connection with the heart of the American people. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on Rebooting Liberty Radio Network, all the way from Brooklyn, New York. Gary Gatehouse, Rebooting Liberty Radio Network. Listen to Gary at least two times a day. Tune in. How you folks doing? This is Gary Gatehouse of the Getting After Lefty Show, and you know what I've done? I have secured an interview with Hillary Clinton, that's for sure. I don't know how I did it, but going to ask her one question. Ms. Hillary, how is it you're such a badass and you try to pass yourself off as a macho man? Is there any secret on how you do that? I can go from zero to bitch in 1.2 seconds. There you go, folks. Hillary can go from zero to bitch in 1.2 seconds. Hell, she's faster than a double-A fuel dragster on a quarter-mile drag strip. Always wondered how she could go from sitting in a chair in a courier-than-pink outfit to beating Bill over the head with a frying pan. Ow! Sweet thing, are you mad at me? There you go, folks. Hillary just laid old Bill out with one punch. Dropped him like a bad habit. Hey, this is Gary Gatehouse with the Getting After Lefty Show. Talk to you later. I'm 54 years old, mother of three. For years, I've experienced shortness of breath. It was holding me back, making it hard to do some of the things that were important to me and my kids. Then I heard about something called COPD. It's a serious lung disease that, as time goes by, makes it hard to breathe. And COPD is the fourth leading cause of death. That got my attention. So I talked to my doctor and took the simple breathing test. I found out I have it. I have COPD. But now that I know, I'm taking steps to make my breathing easier again. And I'm getting back to doing more things with my family. Doing things I want to do. If you have shortness of breath, talk to your doctor about COPD and get a simple breathing test. Learn more. Breathe better. Go to www.learnaboutcopd.org. A message from the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Well, I hope you're having a great day, and I'd like to give a shout-out to all my new listeners. All my new listeners up here on Rebooting Liberty Radio Network, coming out of Brooklyn, New York. I hope you're having a great day up there in NY. I hope you're having a great day wherever you're at in God's big, beautiful world. It's a beautiful day down here in South Texas, about 78 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. Getting ready to polish up the old hot rod and take it out on a cruise this weekend. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Maybe go to the coast, go to the beach, head for Corpus Christi. Who knows? I owe 
All you folks over there in England, uh, I know you're gearing up for the weekend. Uh, wishing you a great, safe weekend. You take care of yourself. Stay out of those pubs. That beer will make you, it'll make you go blind. You know, I had to correct myself. I lived there for almost 10 years and as drank, I drank as much beer as I, they could put in front of me. And I can still see. I'm still fine with my sight. Don't even have to wear glasses. Hey, maybe that beer kept my eyesight intact, huh? Could be. Give me another pint, will you? I wish you all could be down here in South Texas. It's such a beautiful day. Southern nights are fantastic as well. Yeah, it does. Other nights and days. Hey, Jared, I hope you're having a great day up there in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, thanks for inviting me to your radio station. Proud to be on board. Matter of fact, all my radio station operators and owners are fantastic people. Every dang one of them. Billy Van Horn, Stephen Lane, Mr. Jared up there, and uh, my new station I just signed on to. You're all great people. You really are. And you're doing God's work. You're doing the work of the American people. Investing your time and money in getting the word out and putting fantastic lineups of conservative folks, conservative talking heads from the grassroots level. We are not uh, hamstrung by people and commercials and those folks that come down and say, we'll sponsor you, but you can't say this, you can't say that, you can't point your finger here, you can't accuse. No, we don't, we're, not, we're not hamstrung by any of that. We can say what we damn well please using the First Amendment to its full extent. And that's a good thing, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I promised you in a, rep- a report on Donald Trump. And it's really a, a report that really concerns me. And I know it probably concerns most Americans, ones that have heard it. You probably haven't heard it on the news because they haven't reported it. Donald Trump's online critics have proposed an alternative to his anti-terrorism policies. Assassinate him instead. Now, Secret Service agents assigned to protect Mr. Trump since November 11th may be working overtime in the wake of his comments on halting Muslim immigration into the United States temporarily. A slew of death threats against the billionaire, Mr. Donald Trump, were tweeted after a campaign stop in South Carolina on Monday. Without looking at the various polling data, it is obvious to anybody that the hatred is beyond comprehension. Where this hatred comes from and why we will have to determine, Trump said in a statement released Tuesday, until we are able to determine and understand this problem and the dangerous threat it poses, our country cannot be the victims of horrendous crimes by people that believe only in jihad and have no sense of respect or reason for human life. 
Did you hear anything about people threatening Mr. Trump? Has Fox News reported it? Have they talked about it? Have they brought to light to the American people that he has had death threats? Have you heard about it at all, ladies and gentlemen? Is Gary Gatehouse the one that is bringing it to you for the first time? I don't know. I don't know. But it seems Trump's extreme critics saw no irony or see no irony between his statements on Islamic radicals and their calls for his assassination. Can we kill Trump? Asked a woman named Tijana, T-I-J-A-N-I. Now he wants to impede Muslims from entering the U.S.? Someone really needs to kill Trump. ASAP, wrote a a, a user identified as Aldo. ISIS needs to kill Trump, wrote a woman named Jody. Who are these individuals? Are they Muslims using Western names? Are they ISIS using Western names? Are they liberals using their names or fictitious names? Just who are they? But you know, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump is speaking the truth. When the truth is out there for all to hear, those that can't stand the truth speak out, just as these people did. They want to kill him. They want to assassinate him. They want to know if ISIS can kill him. And you know, folks, this is not funny stuff. This is dead serious. When you have an individual of a political persuasion that stands with the American people. Not the elitist on the East Coast or the West Coast. No, though, I'm not even talking about those. They don't even know who in the hell they are. I'm talking about we, the people. We, the people that make the gears run and turn. We, the people that bust our buns daily to go to work and earn our money and send our money in taxpayers, a form of taxpayer money up to D.C. for them idiots inside the beltway to flit away any way they want to spend it. We, the people that have been abused and used by the mainstream media and by our Congress for decades, we have finally woken up. The silent majority is speaking out. And what happens when that comes around? All these people come out of the woodwork. All these liberals, all these socialists, Marxists, progressives, communists that stand against America. And they've been saying things and doing things for decades. Along with their compadres in Congress. The Democrat Party. The leadership of the Republican Party. The do-nothing party, the GOP, the grand old, grand old progressives, and the mainstream media. And the mainstream media, ladies and gentlemen. Death threats to Mr. Donald Trump. Now, it's been reported top te- television network managers gathered for a meeting to discuss how they might launch a collaborative effort and fight back against what they perceive as unfair treatment from Donald Trump's campaign. The Washington Post, a left-wing communist outfit, media outfit, reported executives from ABC News, CBS News, CNN, Fox News, and NBC News are fed up with what they they are characterizing as a Trump treatment. They purported hash 
or harsh campaign coverage restrictions, impolite responses from staffers, the hostility environment, and constant clashes, and they want it stopped. They want it stopped. Hold on a minute. I've got a song for you people. Didn't your mommies ever tell you not to cry over spilt milk? Stand up and walk like a man or a woman? You know, ladies and gentlemen, the mainstream media, they're a laugh. They really are. They're a bunch of spoiled brats. They've always had it their way. They expect people to come down to, to conduct an interview with somebody, some talking head from one of the, one of the uh, uh, mainstream media outlets, and that person is supposed to come from the green room and come in and bow down and pay homage to ABC, CBS, CNN, or Fox News just for the fact they're even allowing them to come down and be interviewed. They should, they should be fawning all over these people. Trump's not doing it. Trump's got their game. Trump's got, their, got them earmarked for what they really are. But you know one example that they try to say that how mean Trump's people are. They said that Trump's top campaign manager, Corey Linowski, recently threatened to yank CNN Noah Gray's press credentials over a spat, and Gray responded by recording the threat and posting it online, the Washington Post reported. Oh my God, there's a spat! Trump's one of Top's uh, Trump's top campaign managers said probably, I don't know what he said, but it probably he was right for saying it to the Communist News Network reporter Noah Gray. And other reporters covering Trump's campaign stop in South Carolina reportedly told to stay in the press area or lose their credentials. Hey, boys. Hey, girls. All you talking heads. How about Mrs. Hillary Clinton when she tells you to shut up, get in line? I don't want to talk to you. I'll talk to you, but not you other five. How about Hillary? What do you got to say about her? Mainstream media? You can't say anything about her and the way she demeans you and puts you in your place because you support her, the liar. You support the habitual liar. You cover her up for her. You know, folks... I think it's all a laugh. I think it's funnier than hell that mainstream media has been knocked back on their ass by Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a billionaire. Donald Trump has sat down and negotiated with people from other countries, heads of state. Donald Trump has sat down and negotiated with the worst of and the best of people who own businesses, companies, international companies, etc., he has seen it all. He's heard it all. And along come these little mealy mouth press people. And he tells them like it is. He reads them the riot act. And they can't stand it. They can't stand it. They've always been told they are the ones. The elite. They're the ones that know it all. And they're the ones that protect this and that. The freedom of speech and all that. Oh yeah, they do. They protect the freedom of speech. As long as that speech agrees with them. 
You know, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump, to me, is the epitome of the average Mr. and Mrs. Joe six-pack. He, of course, has billions of dollars. I can't even begin to think about billions of dollars. I talk in hundreds. But there's a few things that Donald Trump stands for that I stand for. He loves this country. He's taken every advantage of the freedoms in this country that I fought for, and I'm glad to see somebody like him do it and become a success. I'm, I'm oh, head over heels glad that he did, or anybody like him. That's what it's all about. But he talks in language. He connects with Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack of America and the elitist on the East and West Coast and in Congress and in the media, they just can't figure it out. They can't figure it out. They're so high up in their ivory towers looking down at us. Along comes this billionaire that is worth billions and billions of dollars. Rides around in a jet. Rides around in a limousine. But he connects with the American people at every level. Both Republican, Democrat, and Independent. He connects with us. Why? Because he is a true American who has made something of himself, set goals, achieved them, and went beyond them. He is a success story, and that's what Americans like. But he doesn't look down his nose at us. He doesn't treat us as the great unwashed. He is out there amongst us. Not like our, our political people who might come and pay uh, homage to or uh, come and talk to their, their constituents once or twice a year or on some damn phone call, some town, town hall meeting via phone. I have a representative down here, Lamar Smith. I never hear his name mentioned in Congress at all. The only time I hear from him is a mail-out or a damn phone call once or twice every three or four months. Uh, would you like to join a, con a conversation with Lamar Smith on his town hall meeting? I'm fed up with that crap. It's all BS. It's all crap. I'm moving on beyond that. The Gary Gatehouse Radio Show supports Donald Trump and Mr. Ted Cruz. Either one of them would be a fantastic president. The Gary Gatehouse and our staff and my family and extended family are right in line with me. And I know many, many, many of my listeners can say the same. And all I have to say before I close the show today is a personal message to Mr. Donald Trump. And it comes from my heart. Mr. Trump, I served my country for 31 plus years. I fought on the battlefields of Vietnam. My brother did. My father did. My uncles did. They fought in World War II, World War I. I had an ancestor that signed the Declaration of Independence, Mr. John Hart from New Jersey. We are Americans from day one. We believe in the American way. We believe in the American way of life. We believe in the star-spangled banner. We believe in our flag. We believe in our constitution. We believe in our military. And we believe in you.
We believe in you, Mr. Trump. You're the most refreshing thing that's come along in America since Ronald Reagan. And all you Tea Party members out there, whether you be a senator or a congressman, to stand up and demean Mr. Trump for what he stated about the Muslims, not bringing them here to you people in Congress, get your act together, which I know it's impossible for you to do because you don't know how. To go after him, Paul Ryan, leader of the House, speaker of the House, you're a phony, you're nothing more than John Boehner Jr., you're a member of the status quo elitist in Washington, D.C. And we the people in the heartland and south, down here in the south are sick and tired of you types. We want nothing to do with you anymore. We put no faith whatsoever in what you say or what you say you're going to do. Because you never do it. Mr. Donald Trump, sir, you just keep on trucking. You keep on doing what you're doing. Let them say what they want about you. Let the media come after you. You have a thick skin. You have all the right tools in the toolbox. You've been around the world just like I have many times. You know how to handle all types of situations when it comes to facing people who look at you and tell lies about you and stuff. You know how to do it. You keep on doing what you're doing. With that, all I have to say is God bless you, Mr. Trump, and your family. You've been listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Friday edition, Anything Goes. Signing off now until Monday. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Say a prayer for our country. Say prayers for our military. And all you out there that are with Mr. Trump, say a prayer or two for him. Until Monday, this is Gary Gatehouse Good day. Oh.